Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Today's message is a bit different. We're going to go a little bit back and... Um, and we're going to go in Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 1. A couple of weeks ago, um, Doug um, did a great um, sermon on this. Um, I'm going to go back to a similar, the, same, the same scripture, um, but there's just one line um, which has kind of been messing with me. And this is not like um, one of those, oh, this is the next passage of scripture, let's go there. I really feel this is a prophetic message for anyone who has ears to hear. Okay, um, we are currently coming to the end of July. Can you believe it? End of July. That means we have five months left of this year. So I am believing that there is a prophetic unction on this message and on today um, that those of us who have ears to hear that there are going to be some things that do shift in the next five months and um, we'll see how that happens. In fact, there have been some things that have been hanging around for a long time. And um, I just felt stirring that today is, is a day to actually start addressing us. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Right? If you're visiting, chill out. We're going to open up the Word of God and uh, feel free to sit under the grace that is upon this house um, called New Spring Church. If you're taking um, notes, today's um, message is called Disturbing Comfort Zones. Oh, there was another name which I wanted to give it. Um, the other name, so disturbing comfort zone is what I want to talk about. But, but the other name was Goliath must fall. Goliath must fall. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to hand this over to God. And then we're going to see what he would say. Amen. Levi's ready. You're ready to go, aren't you? Mate, you look like this kind of guy. You want to come up here and preach. <laughs> look at you. Father, we come before you in that beautiful name of Jesus. As we open up Holy Scripture. We understand, we recognize that your word will not return unto your void, but it will accomplish exactly, precisely, specifically what you've determined for it to accomplish. So this day we open up our ears and our hearts and our minds. We ask that you would bring understanding, that you would call shifting and changing. Father, I pray there will be things that will be lighting up. There will be things that click. There will be things, there will be like penny uh, moments where the penny does drop in our heart. And I pray that you will shift us individually, but you will also shift us as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. So we're going to be later on in Mark chapter 1 from verse 21. So if you are visiting, we are in a series which is called According to Mark. We are um, systematically, we are going through um, the gospel of Mark and um, we are doing it at a methodical um, pace. Would you... That, that would be fair to say, wouldn't it? <laughs> and especially when you're like um, into Mark chapter 4, but then you make a decision to go back to Mark chapter 1, um, it's probably going to take a bit longer. Nevertheless, uh, <laughs> it's going to be good. So we are listening and we are watching Jesus on his own terms. That's the whole point of this series. And we are wanting to gain greater revelation about who Jesus is. Because I, I have a suspicion that there are a lot of Christians in the West and we sing about and we worship a Jesus who we really do not know. So we want to actually try and eradicate that paradigm and actually see Jesus on his own terms, see an unvarnished Jesus. And in particular, the subject matter for today is disturbing comfort zones. And um, it is going to be one of those messages that I'm praying is going to mess with you and allow you to see this world completely differently. Every day, we are given a choice as followers of Jesus to either put our faith in a world that's passing away or a kingdom that is coming to pass. They are the only two options that you and I have. 
They are the only options that present themselves to us every single morning. Where will I put my trust? Where will I put my faith today in a world that is obviously passing away or a kingdom that is coming to pass? The kingdom of God, the reign of God, the breaking in, breaking forth into our world. This kind of wording, this kind of things that I've been saying for the last couple of months should not be new to us. But today I want to undergird today's message with um, just a short little story. In fact, it's only a couple of sentences, which is found in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20. It'll come up on the screen. Um, there is this Old Testament Bible character and this Old Testament scripture which is going to undergird us as we kind of move forward um, into what God is saying today. And this story takes place just after David becomes king. He takes Jerusalem, then he goes on and he uh, inquires of God and, and he does something. So I'm going to read from verse 20. So David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal-perazim, which means the Lord who bursts through. That's a cool little story, isn't it? That's a great little story. That's a great Bible character. Who loves David? Do you love David? Do you love reading about David? I love David. I'm named after David. Did you know that? You know, that, that should make, oh, that guy's named after David. That would, oh, that makes sense. Yes, I'm named after David. I find that this story is absolutely remarkable. You know, it's a, it's a remarkable story. This, this character's remarkable as well. Um, but what is remarkable about it is that this Bible character, David, and this story is so phenomenal. I mean, how, how cool is that? Enemies, God did it. It's fantastic. But what's really remarkable is that this is just merely a shadow. It's a shadow. The Old Testament is a shadow that's pointing to the real thing. That real thing, by the way, is what we are currently living in right now, this side of the cross, 2019. You know what I'm saying? Right? So everything in the Old Testament is a shadow. The stories are shadows. The characters are shadows. The Old Testament casts this shadow. And as you look at the Old Testament, as you look at these characters, it's almost as if the shadow is, is coming up and you can see the shadow getting larger and larger and larger. And it's almost like something's about to, to turn around the corner and it's, this thing turns around the corner, the shadow disappears and behold, you see Jesus. That's what the Old Testament does. But this is just a shadow. It's just a shadow. God burst through my enemies like a raging flood. The reason why this story is going to undergird really our life is because there is a paradigm in these couple of sentences which lets us know once again the way that God works. I could have used other stories, but it would have taken forever. This is just a short one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Time management. Here's the paradigm. This is what David said, all right? Remember, this is what David said. The Lord did it. That's what David said, right? God did it. God burst through my enemies. We'd like God to burst through your enemies. Anyone want that? Are there, some, are there some things in your life and you're thinking, I just cannot do this. I need the Lord to burst through. And you need to, God, God Jesus, you know, you need to crack that sucker in the head because I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? So that's what David said. But what did God say? Because that's the part we easily skip over. God, through his ordained author, what did he say? David says, the Lord did it, but God said, David went. Right? The reason why God did it is because David went. As David went, God did it. That is a paradigm which is really important for every believer of Jesus Christ to know. It's the way 
He's worked in the past. It's the way he works now. In fact, it's the way he always works. Have you noticed, we've mentioned this before, the book of Genesis starts with this garden in Eden, right? In fact, it actually starts with God creating this world. And this world is like uninhabitable. It's like this, it's like this world which is wild. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like Australian bushland, but even like, like times like a million. You can't inhabit it. And in the midst of this world that is uninhabitable, God actually puts this place of delight, which is called Eden, a garden which is called Eden. And you would have thought, God, if you are all powerful and if you're all knowing, why in the world didn't you just create Eden full stop absolutely everywhere? But he doesn't. He creates this world which is uninhabitable. And in the midst of a world that's uninhabitable, he creates Eden, right? But this is what he does. He places, he, he creates Eden and he places Adam and Eve in Eden. And then he comes and he says with Adam and Eve, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. You and me. We're going to push Eden out into the ends of the world. That's how it starts. That makes sense when you consider how it finishes. The story doesn't finish with a garden, it finishes with a city that's described as a garden. That's the way God works. That's the way God works. David said, the Lord did it, but God said, only because you went. Resurrection Sunday, what's going on here? Jesus raised from the dead, it's pretty good news, isn't it? That's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news about Jesus, right? That he rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he defeats death. He defeats sin. He, spits, he defeats all the powers of, the, of, of Satan. That's pretty good news, isn't it? But that's remarkable, isn't it? But then you look out into the world and say, well, why, in the world, why is the world still so broken and busted up and there's wonderful things and there's terrible things? What's going on here? Well, God, true to form, on that Resurrection Sunday, Jesus raises from the dead and what comes bursting into the world for the very first time is this thing that we call new creation, right? New creation. And what does God do? He starts new creation in this world that's so broken and He comes to His children, His beautiful sons and His beautiful daughters and say, guess what we're going to do now? And if you know the Bible story, you know exactly what he's going to do. He says, hey, let's take new creation and let's push new creation out into a broken and dying world. This is the way God works. This is what he's doing right now. Yes, there is things that are broken in the world. But guess what? He uses his church to push out new creation, to push out thy kingdom come into these parts of the world. And they may start broken, but they will not remain broken because the kingdom of God is unshakable. Right? So I really believe that the next couple of months for New Spring Church, for us as a church, for you um, individually um, as well, that this is some times where some things are going to be breaking through. But if God wants to break some things through, God did it, but only because Jesus went. Okay, so that's the story that's going to undergird this. So today we're going to talk about some comfort zones. But I'm not talking about your comfort zone so you can actually just chill out. All right? I'm not interested in some self-help preach-off kind of thing that relies on my own breath to actually make some changes. I've tried that. It doesn't work. I need the breath of heaven to come in. I need a breath that comes from the outside in, not from the inside out. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to go after some comfort zones. And in order to do that, we're going to use this passage in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 27. Are you with me so far? All right. Let's read from verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. 
The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in a synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, then came out from him. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It is such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. At this stage, if you've been on the journey with us in New Spring Church, that should be a very familiar story. What should also be familiar is that this idea that Jesus had one solitary message as he was walking um, the streets of Israel and Galilee. One message. I often think, like, how, how cool would that be? Imagine if like, every Sunday I just rock up just with one message, the same message every single time. How would you deal with that? You know? I was in another church like last week. I was saying, you know the crazy thing about being a senior pastor? Sundays come around so fast, and every single Sunday, like, people expect you to bring something absolutely new. It's ridiculous. But Jesus, how do we deal with Jesus? Like He comes up and he, and he preaches one message, and the next week it's the same message, and it's the same message, and the same message, it's the same message, but what an incredible message. This is what his message was. Mark 1 verse 15, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. We've talked about this. What does the kingdom of God mean? It means the reign of God. What's Jesus saying? This is what he was saying time and time again, over and over again. He's saying the reign of God is within grasp. It is near. In other words, it is like that close. It is that close. It is so close. So repent. What does repent mean? Literally, repent means to rethink everything. Rethink. we got a lot of baggage when it comes to words. 2,000 years worth of baggage, right? Repent of your sins. It means I need to stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. Yeah, you can try doing that. And guess what? You're going to slip back into it. But if you actually understand what Jesus is saying, you're going to be free of that bondage a whole lot faster. Because Jesus is saying, in light of the kingdom of God, of God's reign, thy kingdom come, being like within that close, rethink your entire life. The whole lot. Rethink it. And that's going to mess you up. It's going to mess you up. It's going to mess everything up. In light, like what would it, honestly, what would it look like right now here? What would it look like in your situation? What would it look like in your workplace if God, if Jesus really was king? Well, in light of that reality, rethink your entire life. You'll be putting a lot of things away and it wouldn't be like yourself, Alfred, trying to, I'm going to try and stop doing this, I'm going to try. No. In light of the kingdom of God, like being here, 2019, 21st of July, New Spring Church, right here. The church, temple of the Holy Spirit, place where heaven and earth intersect, right here. In light of God's kingdom being right here, I'm going to rethink everything, man. I'm going to rethink everything. I'm going to rethink my entire life. I'm going to rethink my marriage. I'm going to rethink my relationships. I'm going to rethink my work. I'm going to rethink the way I wanted to do my tax. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to do things righteously before the Lord. In light of the kingdom of God. That's his one message. Pretty good message. Pretty good message. (laughs) Rethink everything. And then Jesus, after preaching this, his words in his life, they demonstrate what it looks like when the kingdom of God starts to break in and break forth into this world. We've covered this stuff. Do you remember that? If this is new to you, I mean, I've been preaching bad for the last couple of months. 
And very early on in the piece, Jesus walks into this synagogue on Sabbath. You need to understand there have been previous Sabbaths. Sabbaths are like Sundays. They come around like really fast. They are ordinarily fast the way they come around. But before we step into this situation, I want us to take a step back and consider what is happening in a synagogue on this particular Sabbath. When people came to a synagogue, they gathered around Torah, the law of God. What they would do is that they would come and they would sit under the authority of Torah. And that's really important for us to know. That in this situation, there is already an authority that is in place. In fact, there is already an established authority in place. It was Torah. Think about that. There was already an established authority in place. Did you know that there are established authorities everywhere? Some of them we see, but most of them go unseen. Have you ever walked into a place and you just noticed, man, the atmosphere around here is just, there's something up with this place. Have you ever done that? You ever walked into a place and said, mate, this place is dark, right? You know something's going on. You can't see it, but you can feel it, right? There are established authorities everywhere, absolutely everywhere. I dropped my kids off at um, our public um, primary school down the road over there, you know, and um, it's a beautiful, beautiful school. I walk in there, it just feels, feels safe, it feels great, you know. Groveland's Primary School, we financed 12 buckets over there. I walk into that primary school, there's a different atmosphere. It lets me know, wow, I, I, I can't see it, but there's some authorities that have been established here. There's some things in place. One of my good mates, he, um, he's an area chaplain for youth care, and, and um, he previously was working with a lot of the western suburbs. And he would come, and we would go and have um, coffee down in Joel Street and all that. And the amount of times he says to me, Dave, th- th- like, I'm not in Kansas anymore. This, the, the, he's feeling, he's picking up. There is some difference here. There are established authorities everywhere. There are established authorities in schools and suburbs and countries. There's established authorities in families. Do you know there's established authorities in churches? I'll tell you what, seven years ago when I walked into this place, there was some stuff going on. You know, it's like crazy. It's like, what in the world is this? In fact, I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I go, when I come back, I come back and go, what just happened to my church? Because it's almost like when I'm away, there's some things that try to creep back in. But... I pick it up. There's some things in my household too. I was talking to my mate and um, he was moving into a new house and said, Dave, there's some crazy stuff happening in my house. A new house. I said, it's okay, don't worry. You know, you're just moving in so some other things are moving out. That happens. Because I remember when we moved into our place and was like, okay, this is a little bit strange. You know, and, but the, the thing was, like, as the riders were moving in, some other things were moving out. I remember times when my, my kids would be sleeping, I just feel there's some stuff happening. I go and I stand up and, and you go and you pray and all that. And it's like, seriously, it's like, not on my watch. It's the same thing with this church. As long as I'm seeing your pastor here, you know, God willing, you know, for however long he allows me to serve in that capacity, there are certain things that you're not allowed here. Not on my watch. 
Not a chance. But there are established authorities that are all over the place. Established authority. Have you ever noticed as you read through the Gospels that authority is a really big issue for Jesus? And if authority is a big issue for Jesus, that must mean that it's a big issue for us as well, as the followers of Jesus. It's really important. And in a culture that is hell-bent on deconstructing everything and then reconstructing a defiant self-autonomy, it's really important for us to know that God does not operate in a manner that our progressive Western culture insists. That's really important to know. We live in a world, a secular culture that is trying to deconstruct everything. You just go to university, they'll deconstruct everything, and after everything's been de- deconstructed, let's reconstruct it in a way that puts all autonomy on self, on the individual. And you can go about life doing that, but that's not going to cut it with the Lord because Jesus takes authority very seriously. And if he is God, he's the maker of heaven and earth, man, I'm going to go with him as opposed to a culture that's trying to suggest and persuade me, now this is the way that things actually happen. That's really important. Because sometimes that deconstructing and reconstructing, guess what? That seeps into the church as well. I'm saying a whole lot of good stuff today. I hope you're picking it up. It really does. The issue of authority. Notice a couple of times, like even in this thought thing where, where authority comes up, verse 2. The people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority. Quite unlike the teachers of religious law, verse 27, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority, such authority. See, we read this story from the other side of the cross, but you've got to imagine that for that day, these people are coming to the synagogue. They are sitting under this established authority of Torah, and as soon as I, you've got to picture it in their mind, they're standing in the, in, in the authority that Torah is established. I mean, this law has been given to them by God via Moses, right? This is a big deal. So this is all happening. There's an authority that's already established. And as soon as Jesus steps in, as soon as a higher authority steps into that established authority, things start to happen. It's not like even Jesus is going around like doing his underlies, shundalies, or doing like Jesus ain't doing anything. He has merely just stepped into the room, but the mere presence of a higher authority and a lesser established authority, things start to move, things start to shake. That's what's happening in this story. That's what's happening in the story. And things start to get uncomfortable. When Jesus steps into the room. But get this, things are not getting uncomfortable for Jesus. And things are not getting uncomfortable for the disciples. And things aren't even getting uncomfortable for the people watching this. Because they were excited, right? That's what we read. They were excited. They weren't uncomfortable, they were excited. They were saying, what kind of teaching is this? as real authority, they were excited. But discomfort does come. Verse 27, suddenly a man in a synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short, be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed through the man into convulsions and then came out. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. He has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. There was a man who was part of this community. He comes to this synagogue 
regularly. He sits under the authority of Torah regularly. He comes, he goes, he eats, he sits, and no one knows anything different. Because whilst he comes and he's sitting under this authority of Torah, he just looks like everyone else. And no one knows that whilst he looks like everyone else, he's being terrorized and he's being tormented by evil spirits for who knows how long. Until one day, on an ordinary Sabbath, the evil spirits start to become very uncomfortable. And that's the point. This is the thing I'm wondering. How long have those evil spirits been comfortable? How long has he been in that community? How long has he sat under that authority? How long? He's a man. He's been doing it for a while. The spirits have not been agitated up until this point. They've been quite happy to sit and to stay and to keep this poor man bound in his mind and in his body. And as soon as Jesus enters the room, the kingdom of God starts to break in. Suddenly the man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, verse 24, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? This is where my interest lies. Why are you interfering with us? Other renderings say, what business do you have with us, Jesus? Another rendering, which actually really picks up on the idiom used, says this, why are you bothering us? Why are you bothering us? Why are you bothering us? They had been very comfortable, and on this one given day, they're starting to get bothered. And what business is it of yours? Well, it is the business of the Lord. He can do whatever he wants. But let me tell you something. <laughs> that if there is a man who is bound and being tormented and he needs to be set in and be free, that is the business of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jesus does not stand by the side and just like look and say, oh, you know what, maybe we'll deal with that tomorrow. No, Jesus steps in straight away to see a man released from bondage. And if Jesus steps in straight away, the church steps in straight away. By his very presence, the comfort zone of these evil spirits are disturbed. I wonder what comfort zones you're supposed to disturb in your life. In this me-focused world and this me-focused, sometimes, church culture that navel-gazes and it's all about me, me, and my breakthrough, and my this, and my that, I wonder if there are some things that we're supposed to lift our eyes and look in this situation, look at that circumstance, look at this, look at that. And there are some things that have become so comfortable and we are supposed to, by our mere presence, being children of the Most High God, actually bring disruption to these zones that have become so, so, so comfortable. I mentioned earlier how David is a shadow. There's an interesting verse. Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? Look at this verse. I'm going to put it up. 1 Samuel 17, verse 16. This is a really, really annoying verse. Are you able to put that up, Derek? This is what it says. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. 
that boy become very comfortable. 40 days strutting his stuff, yelling out, cursing in front of the people of God. I wonder if there are places in your life or New Spring Church, I wonder if there are places that we as a church have or Shalom House. I don't even have to wonder. There's some places, right? I believe in the providence of God. You guys are here to hear the Word of God today. You know what I'm saying? And you probably picked up by now, we're a feisty church. We don't back down. But we move forward with the Word of God. Only with the Word of God. But are there places that you can identify where things are obviously outside of the will of God? And for who knows how long they have been strutting in front of you, causing you stress. Reckon with your emotions. And every morning, strutting and taunting. And you child of God. I felt the Lord say, the struggle's got to stop. I'll tell you this much, I heard a word from the Lord. It's got to stop. That boy, he's strutting around, but Goliath will fall. He will fall. He will fall. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19. I'm coming to an end. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority. Everyone say all. Man, you can do louder than that. Everyone say all. That's better. I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me just put this to you. If Jesus has all authority, if he has all authority, That must mean that someone has none. Are you picking that up? So there is someone strutting in your face, yet Jesus has all authority. And this fool, he walking around strutting in front of you as if he's got some authority. But understand what Jesus says again, all authority has been given to me, therefore you go. David said, the Lord burst through. It's the Lord who did it. But the Lord said, God said, David went. It's the way he always does it. And you may have a Goliath in your life and you can't come to me and say, Dave, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, you've got to come and kill this Goliath for me. Mate, I'll tell you exactly what I'll do. I'll come and it'll be like Goliath over there and you're standing over there. I'll come and stand beside you. And I'll look at Goliath and I'll look at you and I'll look at you and this is what I'll do. You go kill that sucker. I've got my own Goliaths. I've got some big ones. I've got some big ones which I want to cut their heads off. You know what I'm saying? There's some big old nasty ones that, 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 that have this smirk on their face. They walk up and down Joel Street, down the corridors and all that. I understand the timing of the Lord. I can see them. I walk in there and they're mocking and they're smirking. You may have your 40 days, mate. But there's going to be someone who's going to come and he's going to cut your head off in the name of the Lord. This is what happens. I love, I love, I love 
little newborn Christians, baby Christians. But, but you can, have you ever noticed with a new Christian, like as they're coming, as they're starting to experience the Lord, that their prayer sort of, it, it sounds like this, you know, heaven come. God, you've got to come. Heaven come down. It's almost heaven come down, which is beautiful. But at some stage you grow up and you see for the very first time that, wait a minute, if all authority has been given to the Lord and He said go, that means that I am a broker in the authority of Jesus Christ. Which means I no longer pray heaven come down. I now go and walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. And by my very own presence, being in Christ, the kingdom of God starts to break in and break forth. It's very, very different. Some of you got some issues in your family. It's been going on for a long time. There's been, ta- there's been taunting. There's been strutting. And you're praying, God, come and fix this. God, come and do this. God, come. Heaven, come down. And Jesus saying, I'm going to come down. You're a broker in my authority. You go and cut his head off. You go and do it. Don't we love it when our children, as they're growing up, when they do something, when they accomplish something, don't we love that? You know? Very first time they climb a tree. So you can do it. I'm scared, Daddy. You can do it. Very first time they climb a tree. I know Jackson does stuff. So don't climb a tree. He's like, Daddy, look at me. Isn't that natural? Wouldn't a heavenly father who was supreme and all powerful, where these Goliaths are nothing to him, look at you, his beautiful son, or you, his beautiful daughter? just wait and smile and applaud when you take care of business. But there are comfort zones in your life, in my life, in the life of this church that simply need to stop their strutting. Think about this. Jesus fed over 5,000 people in one go, right? The multiplication did not happen in the hands of Jesus. The multiplication happened in the hands of His disciples. Right? God did it! But only because they went. That's the way it always has. Think about this. We're spirit-filled believers, right? Who's a follower of Jesus here? You know you got the Holy Spirit in you? Think about this. I heard this from Bill Johnson. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He said this, do you ever think there is, a bro- there is broken communion between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Never. If I have the Spirit of God in me and the communion between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is never broken, wherever I go, wherever I am, there is literally an open heaven. Not because of me, but because of the one who has taken residence inside of me. That changes things. That changes things. There's some disturbance, isn't it? God did it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, that you did it. But God says, you know what, though? Only because you went. And if Goliath is still strutting, it is high time to take that sucker down. It is time to take that sucker God is not in a bad mood with you. Okay? He is not in a bad mood. He is full of compassion and mercy towards you 
and towards our life. But what He is doing, He is inviting us into this incredible journey where we get to see the world differently. In light of the Kingdom of God being this close, rethink your entire life. In light of the Kingdom of God breaking in and breaking forth, rethink that situation. He is inviting us to rethink, to reimagine this world differently and to partner with Him in taking this new creation that has already started and pushing it out into the world. Let me tell you what happens when you have that kind of paradigm in your life. See, this is why renewing the mind is so important. Because when you say rethink everything, that's renewing the mind. What are you renewing your mind to? You're renewing your mind to consider and to reconsider and to reconsider and then reconsider what this situation, what this world would look like if God's reign truly breaks in and breaks forth, right? So if you have that mindset and you're continually renewing your mind to that, I'm not talking about, oh, you can memorise all these Scriptures. People can memorise Scriptures and know nothing of the Kingdom of God. You can take one verse and it can open up your mind like nothing else. But when you have this mindset, and again, remember, David's a shadow. You're a bit like David. The entire Israelite army, they're scared. They're intimidated. This sucker's strutting his stuff. What does the Word of God say? David ran towards Goliath. He ran. He ran. That's the invitation. To run towards those Goliaths. Strutting their stuff. And at this stage, 21st of July, 2019, Consider what's happening in your mind. Consider what's happening in your heart. Consider what's happening in your family. Consider there's been some strutting that's been going on for far too long. Has anyone else testified of that? There's been some strutting. Now, Jesus ain't no genie who lives in the Bible. Right? I don't want you to get that. But we take the Word of God. And we are skillful in the word of righteousness. We are skillful. And we fall to our knees. And we come before God. The book of Hebrews says we have direct access, not just to the holy place, but to the most holy place. Because of what Jesus did. And if I have direct access to the most holy place, I have face-to-face meeting with the Father. And when I come out of that most holy place, run after those Goliaths. I mean, I'm going to pray for you. I've run out of time as I always do. I talk too much. Have you picked up something God's saying? Thank you. Father, we do come before you in that beautiful name of Jesus. I seal this word in the name of Jesus. I pray for those of us who have ears to hear what the Spirit would say. It will be life. It will be truth. I pray for the next five months, for the remainder of 2019, that there will be some comfort zones that get disrupted, that gets disturbed. I pray for a discernment 
that when we see things getting disrupted and disturbed, when we see agitations, when we see some turbulence, we would have the wisdom and discernment to know exactly what is happening. That is just merely authorities that have been very comfortable and have been established. They are becoming very uncomfortable simply because your children have walked into the situation. I pray for that discernment.